If we stare at the top of the mountain for too long, we just think, bloody hell, that's massive, I'll never do it. Whereas, you know, 15 minutes, I could run for 15 minutes, and then the next day, run for 10, walk for 5, run for 5. Yeah, I can do that. One of the great things we talk about with emotional intelligence is that ability to respond rather than react. And I think the running kind of grounds you and makes you a little bit more calmer and gives you that time to respond rather than react. Hello and welcome to Run The Business, the weekly podcast that explores the place where running and leadership come together. We'll find out what running can teach us about leading, managing people and generally being better in business. We'll also try and answer that question, do runners make better leaders? I'm Anthony Gay and today I'm joined by a leadership and development expert who has spent many years building successful teams himself around the world. He's also worked with Barclay Card, London Electric, TUI and DHL to name just a few of the companies he's worked with. He's also been responsible for leading global departments with thousands of staff. He's been ranked as one of the top 10 leadership experts, speakers and trainers in the world. He's also written a book of which the title Leadership, It's a Marathon, Not a Sprint is very relevant to this podcast. Like me, He's also a Yorkshireman, which has to be a bonus. Uh, Gordon Treadgold, welcome to Run the Business. Thank you very much for having me. My pleasure. Gordon, how are you today? I'm, I'm good. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm good. Feeling confident, which is always good. Tell me where you are. So I, I live in uh, Spain, an hour south of Valencia, about a mile from the beach. A little village called Miramar. It sounds lovely. And, and a question we always ask at the beginning of this podcast is, when did you last go running? I last went running four hours ago. I did, I did a 10K at 6.32 because if you, if you wait any longer, you melt. So I did 10K, 10K this morning and I did 16K yesterday. And I'm currently training for the Valencia Marathon. And I wish it was going better, but at least at least I'm on on track. I would say. I, I, I hear what you're saying about getting out there early to avoid that heat. What sort of uh, run is it? Is it a road run, a trail run? No, I, I don't do trails. I'm uh, I'm always I'm always I've seen a few people do trail runs and you know lose their footing and twist an ankle. So I'm very much uh, a road runner. So so for me, I live a mile from the beach, so I run down. Uh, to the beach, and then I I did ten k up and down the uh, along the beach road, so you know great setting, and the elevation change is about a meter and a half, so as flat as a pancake. So so when did running start for you? When did it become a thing for you? So it's it's actually it's an interesting journey in that it didn't start well. So I I played I played rugby, so I was always having to run to to get fit but i wasn't i wasn't really a runner then in 2012 uh, i was working for a company called henkel in dusseldorf and my team asked me would i do the dusseldorf marathon with them and marathon relay and they said all you need to do is run 10k and i said no i don't want to do that and they begged and begged and begged and begged and they finally persuaded me to do it and I started training for it. And after three months, I quit because I couldn't do 10K. And the, uh, they were a bit disappointed, but I, 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 had no des- I had no desire to do it. There was nothing, it just didn't feel 
uh, worthwhile. It would be nice to you know do something with the team, but I, I didn't really want to do it. And then I about um, about six months after the the marathon, uh, I had a, a seventh girlfriend go into chemotherapy and had uh, had cancer. So I had seven female friends okay. who were all going through a chemotherapy, and I thought, crap, this is awful. What can I do? And I thought, hmm. Well, I could raise money for charity. Oh shit, I'm gonna to have to run a marathon, aren't I? And 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 I decided, right, I'm good I'm gonna run a marathon. And and my two best friends said to me, too fat, too old, too unfit. But the the difference was now I, I had a reason why I wanted to do it. And I went out and found a training plan and uh Six months later, I ran my first marathon. Yet a year earlier, I couldn't run ten k because I didn't. I didn't have the the desire or the aspiration to run ten k, which I found really interesting. You know, when we think about the teams that we lead and manage, we ask them to do a small project and they struggle. But if you get the right project, with, you know, a bigger project with a bigger motivation and aspiration, we can you know, drive people to achieve things that. Uh, they believe are truly beyond themselves. Absolutely, and and was it at that point that you you started seeing running as this thing that could be beneficial for for leaders and and the mindset of a leader? No, not really. I guess the overall answer to that is yes, but I didn't see when I started. And at the time I started, I was leading uh, two hundred thousand people, but I was I was kind of losing interest with that a little bit in that I wanted to have a bigger impact. And I thought, you know, if I could teach and train other people to lead, I then multiply the impact I can have by creating, you know, a lot more leaders rather than just relying on me leading. And I was preparing for the marathon and I was running and training. And at the same time, I started blogging and writing about leadership. Mm. And about three months in, I looked at it and I thought, what I'm writing about, goals, motivation, preparation, planning, and what I'm doing to do the marathon are exactly the same. And it was then that I thought, okay, I'm going to write a book called Leadership. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And I'm going to talk about leadership principles and what I do uh, as a leader to motivate and build teams. And I'm going to talk about how that principle and that approach I'm using as my on myself to run a marathon. So I kind of became a guinea pig for what I believed in in leadership to prove that you know you could get people to uh, perform something at a level that they previously thought was you know beyond them. Mm-hmm. They kind of found each other. You know, I'd love to say it was a grand design, but it was bloody luck (laughs) (laughs) and you've already touched upon one thing there you mentioned you're having a an objective having a desire uh is is so important um and when we go out running in the morning you know rather than just sort of mindlessly sort of hit the road it's it's asking yourself that question what, what's today's objective isn't it what, what what do i want to get out of this run today yeah and, and it's even it's even more than that um I, I was struggling to get up and train. And I thought, right, sign up, sign up for a marathon. 
because there's no way you can run a marathon without the preparation. So I kind of set that goal and it kind of creates an obligation for me. But as you say, I'm then looking at what is it I'm trying to do. I'm working on speed. I'm working on endurance. I'm working on form or, or whatever the uh, the objective is but yeah you, you've got to have that you've got to have that focus and that goal and and something you talked about and i think this is in, in your book around the importance of early victories and uh, you know we we have that you know mission to run a marathon but that's something that comes at the end there's a lot of things that happen before that that you need to keep motivated about positive about and and celebrate those small victories don't you yeah, well, I'm a big, I'm a huge fan of not only celebrating victories, but celebrating effort. You know, when when our kids first take take their first step and then fall on the bum, we, we stand and cheer. They haven't really achieved anything, but they've made an effort to start trying and they're making that, you know, the first step on the journey to being able to walk, to being able to run. When I did the marathon train, I used the Virgin London Marathon Training Plan. My first run was 15 minutes. It nearly killed me, but I celebrated at the end because I'd done today's piece. And you you almost want to celebrate Mm. every achievement. So, you know, today I'm going to do a 15-minute run. You know, the day after, I think it was run 10, walk 5, run 5, you know, and celebrating each of those because each of them is critical to running the marathon. One of the things I focused on was I didn't focus on running a marathon. I focused on what I was going to do today and how that would help me do the day after. And I thought, if I do that, at some point, the day after will be my marathon run. So I won't, you know, I I won't look at the top of the mountain. I'll just look at that next step and think, okay, that's done. Take, celebrate, and then and then move on. Because I think sometimes we can, you know, if we stare at the top of the mountain for too long, we just think, bloody hell, that's massive. I'll never do it. Whereas, you know, 15 minutes, I could run for 15 minutes and then the next day, run for 10, walk for five, run for five. Yeah, I can do that. And and just keeping that perspective of doing what, you know, it's, it's like the old football, one game at a time perspective. But I, I found for me that really was critical to, you know, to keep me moving forward. And, and you, you talk uh, a lot about the psychological benefits of, of running. Uh, did, did the physical benefits surprise you that because I'm, I'm assuming that as you you know you, you ran you you got more energy and you you felt more alive there was a lot of benefits i mean i i ran an organization with a thousand people i was head of operations so if something went wrong it was my fault and i needed to fix it mm-hmm. so it was quite a stressful job and i found that once i was run, regularly running five and ten k's and i would get up I would set the alarm for quarter to six, fall out of bed into my kit and, and be on the road by six. I found that running from six to seven, it just cleared my head. I, it just, you know, I would be worried about things, but you know, the, the, the longer I ran, it allowed me to think clearly about things. And I would go into work in a much clearer frame of mind, much more uh, positive. When I started running, I weighed 83 kilos at the end of it. I weighed 83 kilos, but it was repositioned. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't lose any weight, but we, we redistributed it to, to where it was uh, uh, beneficial. And then one other thing was I was 53 when I ran it, but 52 when I started the training. And I had um, a medical and I had a buildup of plaque 
in my heart arteries. Yeah. Nothing, nothing to be uh, paranoid about, normally consistent with my age. Uh, and I ran the marathon of Dusseldorf, then I ran the marathon of Cologne. So I went for my checkup a year after, and all of that plaque had gone. Wow. Completely gone. And I was thought, bloody hell, that's, uh, that's a benefit I wasn't expecting. Yesterday, when I ran 16K in 26 degrees, I didn't feel like I had a lot of energy immediately after. But, you know, once you're over it, yeah, you you, you feel... And I'm not somebody who's ever done meditating. It, it's never been something that's appealed to me. But I do find running very meditative. Uh, you know, one of the great things we talk about with emotional intelligence is that ability to respond rather than react. And I think the running kind of grounds you uh, and makes you a little bit more calmer and gives you that time to respond rather than react. And the empathy that that I think running and and setting yourself challenges can create. Um, You've talked about that being a really uh, big benefit of of running as well, haven't you? Well, yeah. Have you heard of a guy called Ricardo Abad? I haven't, but, but tell me about him. Okay, so you, you need to get him on your interview podcast. I don't know how we're going to do that. We'll research him together. In, I think it was 2000 and, I can't remember the years, but it was around 2010, 2011. North Face wanted to set an endurance record. So they, they, they found a top athlete to run 50 marathons in 50 days. But actually, somebody was already doing it by the time this guy started. Uh, and he set the record of 50 marathons in 50 days in 50 states. Then a 65-year-old Japanese guy the year after did 52 marathons in 52 days. Then a Belgian gentleman whose name I can't remember just said, screw that, I'm going to go for 366. So one a day for a year. and just happened to be a leap year to make it a little bit longer. And then Ricardo Abad did 607 marathons in 607 days, whilst whilst working uh, rotating shifts in a factory. So days, afternoons, nights. So sometimes he would end up having almost run two marathons in a day because of the way shifts worked. And, you know, it, it's when I look at things like that, I did a TED talk about this. Of, you know, when we look at goal setting, you know, I always think about Ricardo Abad did 607 marathons. So whatever it is I think I can do, I'm sure it's more. Because, you know, the first guy that impressed me was the Belgian guy who went from 50 marathons to seven times that goal. And then Ricardo Abad, I'll double it. You know, I'll do 607. He, 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 he wanted to do another goal of... Um, a thousand marathons in 500 days. I don't know whether he started that or achieved that yet, but it really opens your mind up to possibility. And I'm not saying everybody should go out and try and run 607 marathons, but you know, maybe you could do 10% more or 20% more of what you think you could do. And when we set when we set these bold goals and aspiration, you know, people get inspired. Nobody gets inspired by, oh, I'm going to go out and run a hundred meters. But you know, doing something big like running a marathon or doubling productivity or increasing sales by twenty five percent, those goals excite people. So we should aim high and be mindful. We can definitely do more than we think. 
I'm going to stick that up on a post-it note and 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 do some research into that guy and find out a little bit more about that. That's amazing. I did four marathons in 10 weeks and people were like, oh my God, how can you do that? It's crazy. And then I told them about Ricardo Abad and, they just, and then they looked at me and they said, so why aren't you doing more? I was like, exactly. You've just changed your perspective. You thought four in 10 weeks was a lot until I told you somebody did 607. And now you're asking me, why aren't you doing 10 in 10 weeks? But a lot of us don't want to push ourselves. I believe it's fear of failure. You know, people are not afraid of hard work. They're afraid of failure. And when I, you know, when I did the marathon the first time, and as I said before, my two friends said, too fat, too old, too unfit. But when I, and what they really meant was, we're younger than you, we're fitter than you, but we couldn't do it. Uh, go, you can't do it. But when I told them, this is the plan, I'm going to run 15 minutes a day for a, uh, a week, take Saturday off, run 20 on Sunday, run 20 minutes a day, and then take Saturday off and run 25. They said to me, are you just going to run five minutes more every week? And I said, pretty much. And they said, we'll do it with you, because they could see that incremental path to success. So it's not we're afraid of hard work, it's of being afraid of failure. And once you can see how to be successful or believe there's a chance of it, then people have a shot of it. And as leaders, this is what we've got to be doing. Change people's perspective. Number one goal of a leader. That sums it up, doesn't it? And, and, and how you just described it with, with setting those goals and just showing people, shining the light to help them go in that direction. It, it's, such a, it's such a powerful thing. It is, as you say, the number one goal of a leader. It's inspirational. I've I've now I've now got uh, ten people to do their first ever marathon, and a lot of it was them just looking at me and thinking, "Well, if he can do it, I bet I can do it." And and then working with them and and, and training with them, and you know just taking that easy path. And you know once once people see it. And they know, and they know how to do it. Then they're up for it. And, and one of the things uh, I didn't mention, another hero of mine, uh, Farooja Singh. I don't know if you've heard of him. Um, when people told me I was too old to do the marathon, Farooja Singh did the London Marathon at a hundred years old. Wow! So the "I'm too old" card is just not playable. If you are under a hundred and you have no a uh, significant knee injury or, you know, something that would physically stop you, then you can do it. Mm-hmm. And we have to just like remove these, you know, remove these mental blocks that people put up. Oh, I'm too old. Yeah, a hundred year old Indian guy did it. Yeah. What's your next excuse? You know, I, I was brought up in inner in a city Leeds and, uh, you know, I played rugby with teams where a third to a half of the team was uh, Afro-Caribbeans and Asians. So I've always been brought up in a diverse environment. I've never known anything else. But marathon running has actually shown me a completely different level of diversity. Because when you're running, you you see people of all shapes, all sizes, crossing the finishing line. There is no, you know, obviously... You need to look like Kipchoge if you're going to win the Olympic gold. But, you know, when you look at the thousands of people that finish marathons, they come in all shapes, all sizes, all ages. And it's just a reminder that, you know, there's a, there's a lot of capability 
within people, and sometimes people we might not expect it, that we just need to tap in there, let them see, and then get them moving towards that uh, big goal that they're after. On that point, is, is there anybody that, that you can think of or a scenario in your, your career where somebody surprised you and actually did step up in a way that you, you maybe didn't think they, they had it in them? Yeah, I, I, would pro- I would probably say my son has been the biggest shocker for me because, he, well, he's a professional musician now and not a single person in the family can can sing a note. Okay. And, you know, he went to music college and... Uh, on two instruments, guitar and voice. And, you know, he writes the songs, he sings, he performs. I think that's probably the biggest shock because I, you know, I support him, but, you know, that, that's such a creative talent to have. It's not something, you know, I'm a, I'm a firm believer that persistence is a talent multiplier, but creative talent is something that's a little bit different. Uh, so I, I would say he's a person that surprised me the most. In work, it's been less so because when I was, uh, this is a story I tell in one of the books, when I was 10, I played rugby and and we we were a team that finished mid-table and we beat the team that was top of the table in the cup final because our coach gave us a strategy that we believed in that allowed us to beat a team that was better than us. So from an early age, I've always believed we could do more. And it's always been my approach to help people see it. So there's been some that I saw it and they've gone further than I anticipated. But yeah, I, I always see opportunity and possibility within people. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with um, with boredom? Because, uh, you know, long runs are things which take up a lot of time. Do you get bored running? Does your mind... Um... You know the, the the days when you just think, oh, I just can't 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 be bothered with this. Yeah, and, and I think it's, it's like a friend today. She just messaged me, and because when I do the Valencia Marathon, I've I've <laughs> I've persuaded my brother, my sister, and two of my kids to do it with me, and uh, a, an old school friend of my sister, she's going to do it with us. So we've got this WhatsApp group, and she just wrote this morning and said, "Good job on your ten k." She said, "I woke up." thought, I'm going to go for a run, but rolled over and went back to sleep. I said, sometimes you just got to listen to your body. You've got to know when your body is probably a little bit below par, and it would be a good thing not to run, but you have to know those days when you're just making an excuse for yourself and and then find find the motivation to do it. Once I get out, I'm fine. Yeah. Uh, you're probably the same up to about 3k your body's just going oh this hurts i think we should stop let's go back but once i get to 3k and beyond then i'm in the groove and i'm I'm running and i use a lot of uh, the nike marathon training so i have the guided runs with coach bennett so i'm listening to what he's saying you know listen to music Mm -hmm. and i find that i try to stay in fat burning mode and by doing that, I feel it makes me a lot more zen. My mind starts wandering and thinking about stuff and, you know, ideas come to me. So I'm, I'm quite happy doing it. It takes me five hours to do the marathon, but four hours a four-hour training run is a long time. And can you recall any moments where you've been out on a run 
and a and a great idea or a, a solution to a problem or you know something to do with your business has has come to you on a run are there any points in life where you go i remember that run where that happened yeah i mean it it happens a lot because what i find with the running is that it, it requires concentration but it, you kind of shut a lot of things off and out and after a while your brain just starts churning over and yeah i i remember one where we had a project and i i didn't know how we were going to get past one of the issues that we had and then halfway through the run it, you know, it just came to me out of the blue we had a similar problem not the same um, and we'd use the solution that allowed us to replicate the system and bring it, you know, bring it back from a backup, which allowed us to get around the problem we had. And I was doing, I thought, why can't we use that? I know it's not exactly the same problem, but why wouldn't that work? So I start to see a lot more connections between things. And, you know, my mind's a lot more lucid. It feels like you tap into about 10% more mental capacity, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think about books and ideas and, you know, I'll, I'll practice talks and it, things will just come to me. Oh, this is a better way to say it than I was thinking. And it just, ideas just pop up. And you must, in the work that you're doing, you must come into contact and, and spend time with uh, some very successful people, leaders, people that are at the top of their game. What, what are the common threads, Gordon, that, that you see uh, in those people? What what is common to all of them. There's people you see that are successful that you look at it and one of the questions that comes to mind is, is that sustainable or repeatable? Were they, were they lucky and it was good fortune that they succeeded or did they do a good job but the team won't want to work for them again because they were just, you know, they were just a toxic person so i see those and, and what i what i'm really looking for is people will that have sustainable success and that can be repeatable and all of those people have a, a lot of the same qualities it tend to be humble it tends to be more about the objective and the team than it is about them it's about putting the team in a position where they can be successful and focusing on giving the teams what they need to do the job and then celebrating them and cheering them along as they uh, progress towards that success. Clarity of vision and goal and the space to do things the way the person wants. You know, it's like, you know, my brother and I, we often have a lot of back and forth on the, the marathon. My brother was in the Royal Marines. He has a completely different way of training. I could never train the way he trains mm. and he wouldn't train the way I train. But the two approaches that we use will get us to being ready to do a marathon. We often need to let people do it the way that is more successful for them rather than be prescriptive. Mm of how to do it, especially if what they're doing will work, leave them to get on with it. So humility, clarity of goal, create a safe environment, give the teams what they need to be successful, and then celebrate their teams as they're moving towards the success. Those are the common traits that I see in people. And do you think it's harder these days to be a leader in, in this day and age? Or is, is that another one of those excuses that, that 
people throw up? No, I think what's harder now is that people are less tolerant of bad leadership. So if you're if you're somebody who doesn't have great leadership traits, it's going to be harder for you. Mm-hmm. If you've got if you're somebody who puts people first, you know, degree of humility, sets people for success. Yeah. People are desperate to work for you. And it, it should actually be easy for that type of leader because that's what people are looking for. Mm-hmm. When I go into an organization, you know, sometimes it's tough at the start, but it's like, a, you know, it's like running a marathon. If you're, not, if you're not training to run a marathon, you've got to start training. So sometimes you have to tell people, oh, get out of bed and get bloody running. Yeah. You know, so there can be a little bit of um, impetus, shall we say, at the start. But if you if you push people at the start, but then you celebrate those, you know, if you if you create the small wins and then you celebrate the small wins, people think, oh, yeah, this person's okay. They've got my best interest at that. They want me to be successful, and then people will go with you. Mm. Everybody wants to be successful. Nobody goes to work wanting to be a failure. And leaders who provide opportunities for people to be successful will never be out of work and they'll be never short of good staff. Never. If you don't do that, people are much more demanding, you know, great resignation. People will leave you, especially the good people. So true. It's so true. And uh, you know the, the the things that you've um, you've described there they they really resonate with some of the other con- conversations I've had with uh, with people from around the world as well. Uh, so thank you for sharing those those specific things there, Gordon. Coming back to the running, you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation how you've been out this morning and and you described the run uh, that that you went on. Can you tell us about a run somewhere in the world that that is stuck in your mind as as a special? time a special run something that you can kind of go back to and and it makes you smile or you you know you get some good vibes going in your head so there's two well there's three really um i've i've done 11 marathons this will be my 12th obviously the first marathon the boss i worked for at the time was not humble not uh somebody who had the best any interest of have the best interest of his team at heart. We were exactly the same age. He said I was stupid to run the marathon because it would end in tears, and it did. It ended with tears of joy as I crossed the finish line and had achieved what I set out to and, and raised money for friends. That was one that sticks out. And the first, the first three marathons I did were in about between five hours, two minutes, and five hours 15 and then went and did the marathon of athens and i don't know if you know that it's uphill from mile six to mile 20 <laughs> nobody tells you that when you sign up and i set a goal of trying to do that in under five hours so i went and researched it like crazy and yeah. people take 20 minutes longer on average so now i'm training to do the marathon in 440 not under five but 440 and uh, i got to the top of the hill i was about a minute behind schedule but it's then downhill for the last six miles and within three miles, I was ahead of schedule. I had 45 minutes to go, three miles. Going to do it easily. But the, the battery on my iPhone died. And, and I, I do Galloway, so I'm running for 90 seconds, walking for 30. So I had no timer. And I ended up doing it in five hours and nine seconds. 
<laughs> Again, it sticks in my mind because I wrote a book called Fast about focus, accountability, simplicity, and transparency. If you don't have transparency in a performance, you can pluck defeat from the jaws of victory. And I was a bloody example of that because you know I'm, I high fived everybody down the last kilometer into the into the place because I thought you know I, I was averaging about twelve minutes a mile. Mm. And I've got, uh, I can do 15 minutes a mile and finish easy. I thought I've got this in the bag. And I just, you know, five hours and nine seconds. The next one I did in Fort Lauderdale, uh, I, I did it in under five hours, but I would rather finish in Fort Lauderdale. I would rather finish in the Olympic Stadium in Athens on the original than bloody Fort Lauderdale. And then the last one, when I did four in 10 weeks, the third marathon I did was the Marathon of Miami, and I lived about an hour north of Miami. And I was uh, I was going to race that at six a.m. I thought I'll get up at three, I'll leave the house at four, get there for five, be ready for six. And I thought, screw that, I'm not going to do that. I'll, I'll drive down and uh, book a hotel. When my wife heard that, she said, "I'll come with you. I'm not getting up at three to drive, but if you're going to book a hotel, I'll come with you." And then she, we went to Miami. She said, why don't we get some friends and go for dinner? I arrived back at the hotel at 2.30 in the morning. I'd had two bottles of wine, two double grand manias, a 22-ounce ribeye steak. And when I was on the start line of the Miami Marathon, I was drunk. Uh, and I did it faster than I did the Disney Marathon three weeks earlier. I'm not not proud of that. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody. But again, it just shows when we're in the groove uh, and we've drilled ourselves that even even in that stay, you know, autopilot kicked in, and uh, I I did it in five hours. I did it in I think it was five hours and twelve minutes. You've done most of the hard work, as you say. The the autopilot can kick in because you've done the you've done the work, haven't you? In in getting to that point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So I always look at that and smile and think, what an idiot. But, you know, this is about, this is why I say leadership, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Once you've made those changes, you know, to, to, run, a, to run 100 metres, you can just go out and do that after a couple of weeks training. It might not be your best time ever, but a marathon takes so long to prepare for that there's a transformation that happens to you. You know, you prep for 100 metres, I wouldn't say it makes you a runner. But if you, if you spend six months training for a marathon, at the end of it, there is a transformation. You are now a runner. You'll have run 500 kilometres in training. And that's what got me through that marathon. That was my 10th marathon. And it was the fact that I'd, you know, I'd done nine previously and, and two in the six weeks leading up to it that allowed me to just boom, move through it, you know, autopilot, that the changes were sustainable and repeatable. Good leadership and the changes that good leadership will bring last a lifetime. Gordon, uh, running aside, can you name uh, a business tool, an app, a, a person or something that you couldn't do without, something that really helps you keep on top of your game? Or it might be an inspiring person or something that, that, helps you be more effective in what you do? I actually think it's the marathon running itself that allows me to do that. It's a reminder that persistence 
is a talent multiplier. And, and that's the, you know, so Ricardo Abad really is that person that, you know, I love Kipchoge. I think he's unbelievable, you know, greatest marathon runner of all time. But to be able to run 607 marathons, day after day after day, that ability, you know, so I'm, I use him as a, what, what's the bar I should be setting myself? And then the, you know, persistence is a talent multiplier. I might not be great today, but if I can be 1% better tomorrow and 1% better the day after, you know, in 100 days, I'll be twice as good. Mm. So, yeah, Ricardo Abad's probably the man that uh, inspires me the most. Okay. And, and putting business aside for a second, um, what's your favourite bit of running kit or accessory that you couldn't do without when you, when you head out running? I think it's my uh, Hawker Cliftons. I just love them. It's like running on clouds. My two kids, they, I, I offered to buy them running shoes and they said, Dad, we'll go get some, we'll go buy some ourselves. We don't want to spend the money. We don't want you to spend the money. And they were training for about two or three months and I was complaining that their feet were aching. And I bought them the Hawker Cliftons and they just came back and said, it's like running on clouds, Dad. I'd echo that. If you get, you got to get the right kit, haven't you? And you don't have to, you don't have to spend, you don't have to spend huge amounts, but just get something that is fit for purpose that will help you do what you need to do. And nipple protectors. I can. <laughs> I I did the marathon of Palm Beach, and it wasn't me. But uh, there was a guy. I finished the marathon in about five hours and ten. And there was a guy that came in at about five hours and thirty, and he had a a white acrylic shirt on, and he had two red tears oh. from his nipples all the way down. And I remember looking at that and thinking. The agony of that must be unbearable, and for five and a half hours, and it had clearly, it had clearly started bleeding around the halfway stage. So nipple protectors would be my uh, second thing. I would say. <laughs> Brilliant, thank you. And f- final question: What advice would you give to anybody uh, in business, in, in business or a leadership role who is considering? getting more active, but specifically taking up, up running? Some of the best advice I, I got for the running, it actually came from a, when I was writing the book, I got a quote from Arthur Ashe and it said, start now where you are with what you've got. And when I was going to do my first run, I thought, you know what, I'm going to wait and I'll, I'll wait and do it at the weekend, Sunday, because I'll go and buy, I'll go and buy myself some nice trainers and some nice running kit. And I just, I was reading the Arthur Ashe quote and I thought, it's 15 bloody minutes. You're not doing the marathon. You could, you could do that in your suit. So I, I appreciate your squash shoes are not great for running and your squash kit might not be perfect, but you can do 15 minutes. So, you know, start slow, start where you are with what you've got and then, and then build up to it. That would be my uh, my advice. Nobody runs a marathon the first day. It takes about six months to train. So start slow and build up. Gordon, if people want to find out more about uh, you and, and uh, the book, for example, where, where can they do that? Where do they need to go? I'm the only Golden Treadgold in the world. So all you need to do is Google Gordon Treadgold and you'll find my Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, website, all on the first page of Google. 
Fantastic. That's Daddy. And what a great name as well for, for a running. <laughs> I, I should have mentioned that at the start. Tread Gold is, is a fantastic surname. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Gordon, thank you so much for your time today. It's it's been an inspiring conversation. I'm sure I'm sure people will take so much out of this. Oh, you're welcome. Uh, and best of luck with your next big run, which is coming up how far away? It's four months. So, and I, you know, I was struggling to, to, to get back into the groove. And two weeks ago, I just said, right, we're going to do six 10Ks in six days. We're just going to get back into the, we're just going to make running 10Ks the habit. Yeah. And I went out, the first one was brutal. Second one was brutal. Third one was less brutal. When I did the sixth one, it was okay. And then, uh, four days later, I went out and ran 16K, no problem whatsoever. And now I'm doing 10K. So, you know, sometimes you just got to push through. And, you know, persistence is a talent multiplier and determination will get you over the edge when you need it to. So just, you know, persist. You will get there. I'm sure you've got it uh, in, and you're going to handle it. But, you yeah, know, let us know... Um afterwards how, how you get on and best of luck with it i will do thank you thanks again to gordon treadgold for being today's guest on run the business that was a fun chat wasn't it uh, he's an inspiring man you can't help but uh, be motivated listening to gordon he directly turned his marathon experience into a leadership book a guinea pig for his own leadership training uh, what did he talk about? Celebrating effort was something that, that Gordon highlighted. His first run was 15 minutes and he celebrated at the end of it. He didn't focus on running the marathon straight up. He focused on what he needed to do that day to help him on his journey towards the marathon. Uh, don't focus on the goal. Focus on the process, the incremental path to success. In the same space, Gordon talked about the number one goal of a leader is to change people's perspective help them understand that big successes are an accumulation of small successes and it's the small successes that we need to take care of as ultimately they're going to help us achieve our goals aim high start small celebrate and keep going was what he said um, people are not afraid of hard work they're afraid of failure and when they can't see how they're going to succeed that's when they quit so show them how to get to the goal and take them with you. And of course, that phrase that came up a lot, persistence is a talent multiplier. I will be borrowing that a lot, I think. I'll actually finish this week with a quote about Gordon's book, Leadership, It's a Marathon, Not a Sprint, obviously directly relating to this podcast. Experiencing what's needed to run a marathon will help you become a better leader. It will teach you about goal setting, building belief, and confidence, setting quick wins, and how to create sustainable change that will lead to long-term success for your teams. Whether or not it's a marathon for you, it doesn't really matter. I think it could be 5K, it could be 10K, it could be a trail run, whatever. I think many of those principles will stand. But we'll have to read the book to find out, maybe. Links in the show notes. I'm Anthony Gay, and until next time, keep running and keep chasing your goals. 